Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. Fifty-eight degrees right now. Fifty-eight degrees. I love it in St. Louis, January tenth, twenty twenty-three. It's not going to stay that way though, uh, and at least we're not experiencing what they are in California right now. Dave Murray is back with us this afternoon for a report on both. Mr. Murray, how are you? Uh, I'm fine. Let's start with Northern California. I, I feel like okay. this is a bit of an undercovered story nationally because of everything that's happened with, um, you know, inside the swamp and everything. Because every time I do pull up a picture, I see some video. It looks pretty devastating, Dave. Yeah, it, it's just not Northern California. It's also Central California. You can almost work your way down to L.A. because L.A. had some serious flooding overnight, road closures, mudslides, things like that. You get south of L.A., Certainly a lot of rain, anywhere from a half inch to an inch additional rain, but uh, not the kind of flooding that, that you're seeing on the news. But, uh, you know, it's been it, it's been a fantastic winter. I, I don't want people to take that the wrong way. We've been in a drought for a long time, and this is this is just helping. And up in the Sierras, snowfall now like 400 percent above normal, and that's what feeds a lot of the reservoirs. So, it, you know, Yes, it causes some damage, but boy, it's a great rain. Yeah, you, California needed this badly, and it's still a little unclear how much relief it's going to provide, right? Yeah, well, yeah, because you always have to, to take demand into account. There's you know, so many people who live in the West that uh, sometimes it's just hard to keep up with the demand for water, whether it be commercial, agriculture, uh, you know, public use, the whole thing. But you always have to factor in demand when it comes into this. And, and that's probably always going to be a problem just because of the population. So is this, is this thing going to keep churning out there or is there an end in sight? Yep. No, there is not an end in sight. Uh, this should continue. It certainly continues through the weekend, uh, the way I'm seeing the, the overall pattern through the following week, maybe even until the end of January. Then I think the pattern will start to break. And when that's happening out on the West Coast, it's almost impossible for us to get any deep cold or big snowstorm situation. Our weather goes quiet. We Our temperatures typically are above average both day and night, even though we're going to cool down a little bit uh, during the afternoon on Thursday and into Friday and Saturday. 
but then we start to bounce back up again. The uh, <laughs> I love that little giggle. It, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's just an impossible. You know, the the physics of the atmosphere are impossible to to create big storms out there and big storms in the middle of the country. It just can't happen. Dave, aren't we supposed to get rain? When is that? Rain is coming in after midnight Wednesday night and through the morning on Thursday. By noontime, it should be just about done. That is the moisture from the storm that's on the West Coast right now. It's not going to be anywhere near that kind of storm system, and temperatures are above freezing. So it's a rain rain setup once again. Well, it's a pretty good start to winter here. I mean, we had yeah, that, I'll take that, it. the cold blast right around Christmas, but yep. outside of that, it's been pretty mild and comfortable. Right, and and so far, so good on the long-range forecast. January was kind of supposed to be like this. I, I didn't expect a January thaw because most of the month would be above average. It wouldn't seem like anything out of the ordinary. However, I still think February is the true winter month of our winter when it comes to cold and snow is winter is not over. A lot of people are saying, ah, winter's over. It is not. February, even into March, could be could be kind of tough in the middle of the and, country. And this is what I love about the dynamics of the calendar. I think we could pretty much all agree that here we sit. It almost feels, because it kind of is, mid-January already, right? So January's going to no, go by sure. in just a blink. And we get to February 1st, and that stupid 28-day month is going to seem like six <laughs> yeah. months, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And remember, you know, Groundhog Day, February 2nd, is only the midway point of winter. Oh. So we have a long we have a long way to go. Boy, did that bring the house. I know. That is but you, hey Sue, you know what though? I'm gonna offer you a, a glimmer of hope here. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, maybe it's not gonna be tomorrow. But the so we've been kind of keeping an eye on just something simple here. So the sun will set today at four fifty eight. So basically by Thursday or Friday, the <gasps> sun will be setting after five o'clock. A small yep. victory day, but yeah, for those of us who sit it. in the studio and it's not fun to see it get so dark <laughs> between five and six, we will take that for sure. Absolutely. You can tell every day now gaining a minute or two of daylight, and and that always helps the spirit. It does. Dave Murray, thank you very much. We'll talk later in the week. I appreciate it. You got it. All right, take care. These allegations are deeply concerning. Does the president have any comment? We're not going to comment. It's not clear messaging. (laughs) And now, Sue's News, brought to you by Sue. Fred, are they putting a carpet down over on the other side? Oh, yeah. How's that going it's, for you? It's going very quickly in some areas, it's, and it smells nice. Oh, good. And uh, they just did a big studio in, like, two hours. They did great. But, but Fred has been displaced today, and it's not, it's not a fun situation. <laughs> Fred, I, 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 was, I heard about this, and I'm very sorry. Have, how long have they kicked you out for? Oh, it, it wasn't bad at all. Okay. Oh, you're back in already? Uh, I'm back in now. Did maybe, they comment? Maybe five hours. Did they comment on all of your folders? Uh, <laughs> no, but I saw someone from the newsroom taking pictures of them <laughs> because I had all my folders out of a filing cabinet. And they were all over the studio table. Uh-huh. And I guess they wanted to document yeah. um, how stupid they You know, if we, if we do a display, and I think we should at some point for Fred at the Radio Hall of Fame, it would be so easy to put together. It's just a bunch of manila folders, yes. a microphone, yes. uh, some Sharpies, yes. right? Uh, Fred went through a phase where he had orange folders. Remember that? No, I'm, Are I'm you in, still in That's it? all they're yeah. providing yeah. right now. Okay. It's very. It's kind of a nice change, Fred, a little uplift Thanks. here in the winter. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, on this day in history... 67 years ago, Elvis recorded this song. Well, since my baby left me, well, I found a new place to dwell. Well, it's down at the end of Lonely Street, that heartbreak hotel where I'll be, I'll be kissing.
1856. Okay, this later became Elvis's first million seller. Did you know that? No. Doesn't surprise me. Some room. Curious. Um. In the Golden Globes tonight? Is that tonight or tomorrow? Yeah, it's tonight. It's tonight. Um, Elvis nominated heavily. We'll see what happens. Did you have, it's you in the did watch time. it. I what were it. your thoughts? One of my yes. favorite films of the year. Friend, I really liked it a lot. Did you watch it? I, Abby? No, I didn't get the chance to. Yeah, I haven't watched it I yet. think for, for a lot of people, it was, it was hit or miss in the standpoint, you kind of have to buy into the tone that Boz Lerman, as a director, is setting. I did. It took me about 10 minutes, and once I was in... It was a great ride. Does the actor sing, or is it Elvis that, you know, and he's doing the lip syncing? No, he sings a little wow. bit of it as well, is my understanding. Austin. He uh, looked good. Butler. Austin Butler. You know? He's great. Okay. He looked really good. Uh, also, 24 years ago, in 1999, this show premiered on HBO. You can tell. Oh, the Sopranos. I was a big fan of the Sopranos. Fred. Sopranos, yes, uh, no. Yes, but it just got really, really bloody violent. Yeah, it did. And so I kind of got out after a bit. Uh, that, you went back to Gilligan's Island. <laughs> <laughs> I need Safer that. there, Fred. I need that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I understand. Abby, did you know about Sopranos? Was your um, parents into the? Yeah. Was your parents? What is happening to me? Were your parents into it? I believe both my parents liked it, but I've never seen an episode, so it, it might be something worth revisiting. At least at the early part, where it's not too bloody. Is it bloody at the beginning, friend? I think it's intermittently bloody. Yeah. Look, the, what I would say with with a show like The Sopranos, and one of the reasons I loved it so much is, outside of the the characters were fascinating, dynamic. Gandolfini was so good. But it was also that element of the what I would refer to as the holy blank moments. And uh-huh. the Sopranos, they, they'd have maybe an episode that wouldn't be a whole lot happening. And then all of a sudden they'd whack, literally whack up the side <laughs> of the head with something that was just like, I can't believe oh, they yeah, just did yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's part of the appeal, yes. right? You didn't know when it was coming. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's actually and a really the, good the point. The was was Phenomenal. just fantastic. It really was. It is just for the acting alone, Abby. It, w- it would be worth it to go back. I wonder where it is now. It's it's almost like someone on Sue's News should have looked that up. And well, it's on put HBO. that in it's her on story. All the HBO Max. Oh, you have HBO you. Max. Okay. You have everything. Okay. And I know we just talked about it, uh, but I was going to bring up the fact that California in the rain, the president has declared an emergency in California. They've had the rain, the high winds. Did you know 12 people have passed away? They've had more people die than from wildfires in the past few years. That's how bad it is. Um, Outages, power outages. uh, It seems odd to call these winter storms, but that's what they are, even though it's just rain. The town of Montecito, California, is under an evacuation order due to all the rain and the flooding. Now, the residents, of course, include Harry and Megan. What are they to do? Oh, no. (laughs) Along with Oprah, Rob Lowe, Adam Levine, Gwyneth Paltrow, and George Lucas. (laughs) They all live there and have to evacuate. Fortunately, they can afford a hotel or somewhere else. Apparently, Ellen and Portia de Rossi live there, too. And Ellen says their home is on higher ground, so they're allowed to shelter in place. You think, um, how do we refer to, is it King William now? Is it King or King Charles? King, King Charles. Charles. And yeah. then, well, I just wonder if they're, if they're concerned William. about Harry's home, they would welcome him back with open arms well, after the sure. 60 Minutes interview in the book, wouldn't they? Well, let's think. Does his wife want to go there? No. I'm not sure she's made that clear. I don't think so. Huh. Do, you yeah. think, do you think Prince Harry, or just Harry, 
Is blaming Prince William for the storms? Probably. 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 That's a very good yes. point. Yeah. We didn't take climate change seriously enough, probably. Well, somehow, <laughs> Harry is a victim of it, and uh, his entire family has caused whatever the issue is. Uh, I read a story today about Orkin, who has just posted its 2023 list of the top cities for your friends and mine. Oh, I need insect news. Sorry. <sighs> okay. Sorry. Are you ready for it now? <laughs> I think that Sue would have thought of that earlier, Are you too. Ready for it right now? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, here we go. It's time for Insect News. There you go. I so love that. Yeah, we thought we were going to use that one time, and now it's, it's just a regular staple here. Yes, Mark, yes, shows. it is. It's the the top cities for bed bugs. Well, because you did say Orkin, right? Yeah, I okay. did. That's, that's what I remember. Each year, Orkin ranks the top 50 cities for bed bugs by looking at how many people had to use exterminators over the past 12 months. <clears throat> Chicago, number one. Number two, New York City. Number three, Philadelphia. So uh, they uh, actually dropped from second last year. The rest of the top ten, Cleveland, L.A., Detroit, Indianapolis, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., and randomly, Columbus, Ohio. (laughs) I feel left out because we always lead the way, like in STDs and all kinds of things. How can we not lead the way here, St. Louis? Come on. We are great. Where's your bedbug game, St. Louis? <laughs> and I, uh, Fred gave me this story yesterday, and I kind of liked it. There's a Connecticut, fa- uh, Connecticut family. That's a ringing endorsement. Yes. I kind of liked it. <laughs> no, I mean, I kind of liked it, Fred. Oh, okay. Not right. Woohoo! You know. Do I ever do woohoo? No. A Connecticut family who found a black bear hibernating under their deck has decided not to bother him. Provided he behaves properly, they're just going to leave him there. Vincent and his girlfriend <laughs> were in their backyard more than a week ago when the dog started growling at something close to the pool. And when they went to investigate, a black bear stared back at them from beneath the pool's deck. Now, according to Vincent, quote, he's been super chill. He doesn't seem to want to go back to the forest. Tyler, the sister of this guy, uploaded a video of the bear to TikTok, which received over 13 million views as of Saturday. So now they're really not going to do it. And Vincent said that a Department of Environmental Protection employee in Connecticut advised him, listen, just leave that thing, leave the bear there. And if there aren't any problems, and he'll just probably get up and be gone by the end of the month. So if you find a black bear, I'm not sure this applies to all of us. Just leave him. But maybe they have enough land. I don't know. And keep an eye on your dog. Yeah. Ooh, that's scary. I was going to say, that poor dog, he must be terrified. Oh, I'd well. find another way out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Boy, that's no kidding. Where does um, hibernation play into all this? Do we know? Well, that, that, that's it. He's supposed to be hibernating under there. But I didn't realize that they would get up at the end of January. No, Doesn't I didn't that seem early? Yes, that's what yeah. I mean. I mean, it, so, so it's just, is it because of the weather out there? I don't know. It just feels different? Yeah, I don't know. But they're going to leave him unless he causes problems, and we'll see if that happens. And there's an article out today that there is a trick called five to one ratio that is the key to keeping everyone happy and satisfied in personal and professional relationships. Here's how it works. Basically, for every one negative interaction, you need five positive ones from the same person to continue to be okay. (laughs) Mark, how are we doing? Keep your mouth shut, Fred. (laughs) Poor Fred. That means 
Uh, he's going to have to run into like 20 or 25 <laughs> people every day, isn't he? I don't even know how that's possible. I know that, you know what? It may have to be five positive ones from you. I think that's how it works. Oh, I thought it was like no. counteracting. So uh. for every... Ne- oh, that's impossible. I'm just going to be honest with you there. That wraps up Sue's news. That's well, kind of depressing. What? Sorry, Fred. Sorry about that. Don't mean to do it. Was that your random fact, though? Nope. Oh, do you want to do that? Well, if you play the music. Ah, you can still do it here. Here, listen. Well, they say even a smile <laughs> or a joke is enough to make things better, Mark. You could do that. Maybe. Basically, for every one negative interaction, you need five. I guess it doesn't have to come from you, but that would okay, help. Good, good. And it works for marriages, <laughs> friendship, and professional situations. I thought we would bring that up for Fred's benefit. Thank you. As long as the positive to negative, negative ratio is five to one, you'll be all good. So, I need to broaden my base of, of people <laughs> Abby and now. I can only do so much, Mark. I'm just saying. And finally in Sue's news, today's random fact. 97% of federal cases and 94% of state cases end with plea bargains, not a verdict. That's a lot. You could write that down. 97% is a lot. 97.1%. Thank you very much. 423. <laughs> Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. You might remember this from the 60 Minutes interview back in September. When you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago, what did you think to yourself looking at that image? How that could possibly happen. How anyone could be that irresponsible. (laughs) I can't. I can't stop it. Kill me. You just got to laugh at that, right? Come on. I mean... (laughs) That's the president, and now he's been caught. Now, it's a little different. It's a little different here in the two cases, but, wow, there's a lot of people having to eat some of their tweets and their words from six months ago, aren't there? Right. I mean, at the very least, uh, I'm I'm getting entertained by the fact that the last two days, non-Fox media asking the president in Mexico about the documents, and I'm stunned. I mean, I don't have my hopes up, but yesterday— Uh, The first alert I got was from NBC that said documents found in Joe Biden's office uh, on November 2nd. And I thought to myself, let me check my Apple Watch. It's January. (laughs) Right, exactly. Okay, it's been two months. (laughs) So what actually happened? We don't want to say the day before the midterm elections, do we? But having said that, the next one to alert me was CBS. The next one to alert me was uh, the New York Times. So they ran with this. And, you know, it's obviously a story, but and then I, you know, I, I get the New York Times online. I think it was the second page. It might have even been the first page. Uh, so I'm just saying, OK, how curious are you? And now the fact is there was Ukraine information in there and there was information about Libya. 
all right, uh, that seems kind of important. Maybe you kind of knew that ahead of time. Well, somebody then I watched John Miller on CNN, and we played the cut. John Miller's like, well, a lot of times you overpack, and things get mixed up with other things. Oh, really? <laughs> no, he didn't say that. Did he really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of yeah, course. I, and we played it. I'll play it tomorrow with you in mind. I'll bring it back. So John Miller, who's the ABC anchor for 2020, yes. who became a cop and an investigator, and then he went back to CNN now that uh, Bratton's out of office and nobody, uh, there's nobody uh, really arresting anyone in New York anymore. So there's nothing for him to do. So he went back to broadcasting. So that was his excuse. Now, listen, I, I, I know you and I both agree. Why are you packing stuff up and going and bring it to Mar-a-Lago? Why don't you just get it checked out? You don't need these headache. The other thing is to keep in mind, there's pictures of Trump's boxes of files sitting on uh, in the backyard waiting for the helicopter to take off. And a bunch of 20-year-old look like interns or, or entry-level people are loading it in full view. It was 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So nobody was sneaking anything. They just said, hey, we need these boxes back. And instead of Trump just handing it over, he's like, oh, I'll take my time. You know, and whatever. He said, let me you steal my lawyers. Next, you know, there's a raid and an investigation and now a special prosecutor. So you can't. So now, you know, if just for everyone to know, uh, uh, Merrick Garland asked a U.S. attorney from Chicago to look into this. It was a Trump appointee to see and find out what documents were in there, what the classifications were. So uh, but still, it didn't stop him on November 18th. Knowing this was happening on November 2nd, they found the Biden documents November 2nd, November 18th. He still went ahead and said, I have a special investigator to go into Trump. So that could result in an indictment. And uh, so, you know, is is it likely indictments going to result with Biden? Um, I guarantee it won't. Yeah. Well, I highlighted this with Congressman Wagner, who was a guest on my show earlier. Rob Reiner, you remember Meathead, said this um, after the December 6th runoff. He says, after the December 6th runoff, there is no reason, absolutely no reason, Merrick Garland could not or not to indict Trump for stealing top secret classified government documents to strengthen democracy. It must be done, Brian. That was Rob Reiner's position. And I'm, I'm certain that he's made the same tweet today about our president. Exactly. Let me go look it up. You know, I don't have my laptop here, so I'm just going to assume he didn't. So I'm pretty sure. But what is Rob Reiner doing? I mean, can, can he do a new, like a remake of Goonies? What was that last movie he did? I mean, the he, ridiculous you know, he made thing some he did. good movies back in the day, too. And then it just it just disappeared. He just stopped and started tweeting. Yeah, I think he did. So I stayed up late on Friday night. I felt it a bit of an obligation, all the theater, and was a little mystified because as I left the air on Friday afternoon, it looked like vote number 14 was going to wrap it up for McCarthy. It took to the uh, 15th vote. I was trying, I think we talked about this a little bit last week, Brian, trying to dial down some of the hyperbole. In the end, I think everything's going to work out. Your take on all the drama on Capitol Hill that I guess is still going on? Well, I mean, uh, they, they got the rules passed, and um, I don't know if anyone's upset about chairmanships, and now they're going to return the favor when they took Marjorie Taylor Greene and other people off their committees. I knew that was a bad precedent, and now the Republicans are answering back, and I think they're going to marginalize the, the most despicable person in Congress, and that's Adam Schiff, and I think they're going to marginalize him. I just think it's a bad trend. You know, take the most sensational high-profile people, and then start moving them off committees. I don't like the way that trends, but I will say uh, Democrats just started it. It's the same thing with getting rid of the filibuster. The Democrats got rid of it for judges, and then when the Republicans come in, they go, you're going to get rid of the – we're going to give uh, – we're going to get a just a majority vote for Supreme Court justices. So you started it, Harry Reid, and Republicans just upped it by Supreme Court justices' simple majority. And now the Democrats come in and go, we're, cut, we're kicking off Marjorie Taylor Greene and a few others off any committees. We find them despicable people. Okay. 
So then the Republicans are going to turn the, return the favor with Swalwell and others. So it doesn't make the country better, but I understand where they're coming from. On the uh, the committee assignments, I think some of those still being handed out. We got a good one here from Missouri yesterday, Congressman Jason Smith, who had opted out. You know, he was someone who had considered running for the Senate in a crowded primary. He wisely, certainly in retrospect, decided to opt out of that. And he was no, you know, give me for House Ways and Means chair, but he got House Ways and Means. And that's a big, big chairmanship for Missouri and for Jason Smith, Brian. That's awesome. Uh, I know that Dan Crenshaw is disappointed he wanted to get chairman of uh, Homeland Security. And um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes, and then we'll see what they get done. I mean, one of the first things they did is kind of a show vote on, on re, you know, revoking the 87,000, financing for 87,000 IRS agents. It has to pass the Senate, and the president's got to sign it for that to happen. So is that going to happen? No. But is legislation done? Should the, should the Senate flip and the uh, White House flip? Yeah, it's done. Uh, then other people say, well, how dare you? Just like rich people, that's why you don't want 87,000 more IRS. You just don't want rich people to pay taxes. I hope everyone understands how laughable that is. It's not just about rich people. They're coming after everybody. Why do you need 87,000 while the Border Patrol can't, uh, can't even get out of their offices because there's so many people to process. Well, That's yeah. where you need the people. And on, on that topic, how about I loved, you know, I was even sitting here on the air yesterday watching a couple of the monitors in the studio with Fox showing these before and after pictures of El Paso, Texas. Looked a little different before and after the president's visit, didn't it? Uh, no question. And uh, we knew that was happening. We had Bill Malusian in studio today. You know, he sits on the board of more than anyone else in the country with his drone team. And he said, you have to work really hard not to find, come across illegal immigrants. They went to the exact right place, which is the wrong place if you want to see what's wrong. And that is a normal transit area where truckers go in and out and commerce takes place. That's a normal port of entry. If you want to see what's wrong, you don't go to the port of entry. You go to the areas in which the wall is breached or doesn't exist. So it's just uh, unbelievable that he would even take the shot of the wall there as he walks the slowest any human can ever walk without being backwards uh, on Sunday. And he went for three hours. I'm sitting there in the afternoon working out going, okay, I got to stop. I put in my AirPods. I just stop and I just go, I got to hear what's happening. They do a demonstration of a dog sniffing out drugs, which you can do in any police academy in any, in any academy in the country. We're watching this demonstration into a uh, pickup truck. And I'm saying this is going on for a half hour, and, and Biden's acting mystified that we have this type of technology. That's, that's what he did. But at least he went to the border. What I loved, I see, I'd love to see Kelly. I'd love to see uh, Langford. I'd love to see there were not only Republicans drawn by five other, including Murphy of Connecticut, some Democrats down there, Chris Coons, down there at the border, and then Cuellar with the president, Henry Cuellar, Democrat, who, who is his a right, he's right on the issue on the border, like as any Republican, including Trump in the country. And my hope is they get something done. I don't care about political points, especially in a non-political year. Please, for the good of the well, country, this is a, it is. get it's it a done. disaster. I mean, in, I, I don't have faith that they can get anything done, but you're talking 1.7 million gotaways after just one year between October and October, and those numbers are just going to keep growing when you have people wanting to get into this country. And I get it. I, I've talked about this before. I was in Honduras uh, a decade ago. I, I completely understand why someone would want to come to this country and make a better life for themselves and have their kids come here, but there's a process, and now it's just run amok. So I don't know what 
the end game is. I don't have any confidence that they're going to be able to solve it. I do have confidence, though, in the government solving climate change. Let's talk about gas ovens. The Reardons don't have a gas oven. Kind of pissed about it, but now maybe I'm okay because the gas company comes in. They, they think it's a little cost prohibitive where my um, gas line is to put in a gas oven. Rebecca Reardon, not happy about that. But maybe now everyone's going to be forced to have electric ovens. So that's just fine with me. This is ridiculous, isn't it? Of course, you know this is all about. This is all about climate change. When they say it's, they say it causes cancer, asthma, uh, takes years off your life. So we've had maybe seventy years, eighty years of this gas, or maybe more of this gas oven technology. You can't run a restaurant on an electric oven. If you have a power problem or anything like that, you're done. Uh, so people are writing me saying, "Really, my restaurant can't have a gas oven? I'm done." So they're just trying to loosen people up. You heard even on our set today, someone's like, well, you know, my son had asthma. Maybe this is the reason. And by the way, in the same story, they say, if you don't have asthma, we'll give it to you. If you do have asthma, it might make it worse. Might make it worse. So if you read below the line, it is a total climate change story. And just please don't fall for it. Don't swap yeah. out your oven. They say, we're not telling you to swap it out. But when it blows, get an electric. Yeah, well, they've been dealing with some of this nonsense in California. I think the restaurant owners have been, you know, apoplectic, justifiably so. And they'll say, well, this doesn't affect anything. It's not going to ban the, you know, the gas ovens or the stoves that are out there. Who cares if you can't get new equipment? It's the same result in the future. So we'll see where that takes us, obviously. Uh, Stay out of California. Yeah, well, that would be a good move, first and foremost. Brian Kilmeade, always great to have you on. Have a great week. We'll talk uh, in about a week. Oh, yeah, go get them, Mark Reardon. Right. Take you. care. Thank you. Sue was telling me she, uh, she finally watched Glass Onion. The Knives Out Mystery on Netflix, which is up for Golden Globe tonight. Critics' Choice Awards coming up this coming weekend. It was it was okay. It was okay. I I think I watched it right before Christmas, and Becky and I came away from it saying, "Yeah, it was decent, but it wasn't anything that blew me away." I like the first one better. Yeah, I totally agree. But Uh, I do like what hmm, what's his name? Who I'm in love with? I can't. Oh, Daniel Craig. I do like me some Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Uh, have you ever had, I, I was going to ask Fred this question too, I think it's in the uh, the negative, but I'll ask, have you ever had a professional massage from a masseuse? Oh boy, yes, but it's been a really long time. So I, I had one today at the MAC and I bring it up for this particular reason. And I, and I think I've talked about this before. I even think I had a masseuse on years ago asking this question because look, if you're a masseuse, you got to touch a lot of skin and hair and yeah. stuff that's not very... Right? Yeah, you do. I don't, I don't know how they do that. I was thinking about that today. You know, your, your mind kind of wanders. It was a good massage, by the way. Okay, good. Uh, Kelly did but you're right. Job. They've seen a lot. Right. But whether or like, not they needed I it. I think one of the questions I asked um, at one point of a masseuse was, how do you deal with, uh, I can use Dave Klein as an example. If you got a really, really hairy back, Dave's comfortable with that. He doesn't mind that I talk about how hairy his back is because he's been, you know, someone who's confronted <laughs> it head on in the past. The but think All about, right. you know, you, you've got... <laughs> You got the masseuse. I just would have to think that some people, I know they're professionals, okay? I get that. It's like a doctor, right? A doctor has to do things that most of us never would want to do or see or um, hold. Yes. Especially during coughing. Hold. Right? We don't want to do those things. That's nicely put. But I I just find it. And then the other thing about it is, is like, let's say, this is kind of an interesting dynamic here. Um, My daughter is actually on her way to take a a tennis lesson tonight. Oh, that's great. And Kelly, who was the masseuse, said, oh, my my husband's one of the tennis pros, Patrick, who is going to be. But then I start thinking about Patrick, not in a romantic way, mind you, but I'm thinking. It's good to clarify. Yeah. Well, I just want to make sure people are clear. But Kelly's got her hands on people all day, right? Yeah, yeah, she does. Men, women. Mm -hmm. and, And then all of a sudden supposed to have. 
you know, hands on. I don't know. How does that work? Don't you feel I weird think, if you're no, the, I think if you're her. married? I'm just being serious. I if do. you're married to the masseuse, I know it's a professional job, but don't you think? I don't know, man. No, it's a, it's a professional job. I don't think they think of things the way you do. They just think, here's another <laughs> they're somebody. Not, they're not degenerates like me. Is that well, what you're trying to say? Maybe I'm inferring it. But I, I will tell a you, facial. A, I a like good, a facial. well, and I've, I've only had one of those in my life. This goes back, I think it was some sort of radio experiment gone awry, you know, which happens. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a professional masseuse, the, it's, it's just a great feeling. I completely understand why professional athletes um, go through this. There was one question I think they all say, like, what's your pressure uh, threshold. Mm. And I said, I, I'm pretty good. I said, medium firm. Well, she, she wasn't joking around with that medium firm. And what was I going to do at that point? Say, oh, let's go to medium light, right? Well, ooh, that's a good point. <laughs> but like, yeah, was it, if, well, yeah, no, I see was, your point. It was, it was all good. I feel very good. I felt like taking a nap, though, after the uh, massage from a couple hours ago. You know, we were talking about climate change just briefly there with uh, Mr. Kilmeade. I thought this was an interesting story that cleared in the Wall Street Journal. In fact, I think St- Steve Malloy is going to join us tomorrow who um, we discuss climate change. We'll talk about the, the gas stove situation. If you're not up to speed on that, I can give you a little background in a second. But I found this interesting. Do you remember, Sue, when, what was it that we all used to use back in the 80s that had uh, the floral... Carbons. Hairspray. Hairspray, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the hairspray. We, You had the hairspray, and then all of a sudden they banned the, the, mm-hmm. the hairspray, right? And it had to be the pumps. Back in the day, we would use the actual aerosol. Yeah, because it worked. And then they got rid of that right. and used the pumps. Right, because it was to save the planet. Well, apparently- It's working. It's working. Because wow. airborne chemicals that destroy ozone are now declining for the first time, helping to repair the atmospheric layer that protects humans from the sun's harmful ultraviolet rays, according to a new report by a UN-backed panel of scientists. In the report released yesterday by the United Nations Environment Program and the World Meteorological Organization, researchers found a significant thickening of the ozone layer. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. A region of the atmosphere from 9 to 18 miles high that absorbs ultraviolet rays. The layer has been fragile for decades as the result of chemicals used as refrigerants and propellants that destroy ozone. Yeah, that was something else that happened. Didn't they change the way that the uh, the air conditioning units and oh, yeah. refrigerators yeah, yeah, worked? Yeah. Here's they were a surprise. It's more expensive now. Yeah, exactly. Um, when those long-lasting chemicals mix with cold temperatures and meteorological conditions above Antarctica, the reaction creates an ozone hole over the region each spring that varies in size and the depth each year. In the late 1990s, the story says, when the ozone-depleting gases were at their peak, the ozone layer was reduced by 4% compared with its pre-1980 levels. The new report says that the recovery is continuing but will take many years, but that's a good thing. And they're saying, obviously, that the thickening is good news for humans. It protects human life and other life as well. They mentioned skin cancer, cataracts, all these other things because of the uh, excess UV rays. Um, the ozone-damaging chlorine declined 11.5% in the stratosphere between the peak in 1993 and 2020. Bromine, it's bromine, right? Not bromine? Mm. bromine? Declined 14.5%. Anyway, it's all good news, and I guess I bring this up because oh sometimes we, we do things, and I don't know if this is what's going to happen with the with the gas ovens. Um, can you make the case that all those laws that they passed in the in the 80s and 90s actually helped us? I don't know. I think I'm I'd have sure. to right. I'd have to look into this just a little bit more. We all made fun of it at the time, but I guess my takeaway is we can adapt, right? We can do things and we can change things and we can adapt a little bit. Now, this right, consumer product safety commission story is this is what happened in the last couple of days. You'd like to think that something like this wouldn't happen, but 
I'll have to tell you, you can't have certainty because of what they do in California. They've done some of these same things that, that are now being discussed at the federal level in California already. So a federal agency may look to ban gas stoves over concern about the release of pollutants that can cause health and respiratory problems. The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission is set to open public comment on the dangers of gas stoves sometimes this winter. The commission could set standards on emissions from the gas stoves or even look to ban the manufacture or import of the appliances, according to Richard Trumka, who's the commissioner. Now, look, we're a long way from there's going to be a ban of gas stoves. They're putting it on the table. They're saying that's one of the options that... They could see as a solution. Are you kidding? Every restaurant is just going to be uh, have a fit. I mean, have you ever tried to make anything on an electric stove? It takes forever compared to gas. Gas you can control much yeah. better. You know how down I know to that because I have, have a, a gas stupid stove. electric stove and I hate oh, it. I, I absolutely hate it. I did, and I got a gas one because I. It, it's just so much better. Well, no, and this is this is the, the reason that I'm bringing it up because. They're thinking about this, and, and this is the headline that was in the Washington Post today, why U.S. regulators are considering a ban on gas stoves. And they talk about California, and it has been a mess out there because they have done some things that have, and I don't know if there's been a resolution to this, but I think this has been in New York and California. New York voted in 2021 to ban natural gas hookups in new buildings smaller than seven stories. So they're trying to get away from natural gas. You don't like fracking, which produces natural gas. That's bad for the environment. You're going to kill people if you have natural gas. How are you going to try to heat people's Thank homes you. In, in the future? But they've done this in California, and they're, they're being challenged. Here it says, the California Restaurant Association sued Berkeley, California, to try to stop the city's natural gas ban, arguing that restaurants rely on natural gas as an affordable fuel for cooking, baking, heating, and power. The Association of Home Appliance Manufacturers, which represents gas range manufacturers, says that cooking produces emissions and harmful byproducts no matter what kind of stove is used. So, you know, one thing I want to point out with, with a story like this is we're coming off a period where we had 15 rounds of voting for the Speaker of the House, and one of the cases that gets made is, um, well, look, it's complicated because of the process that you go through in California. You have a situation where they're going to try to bring the things that they've done to California to Berkeley. And these things seep in even here into St. Louis with law enforcement, right? The most radical proposals, they start out there. I heard one of the uh, stats today. I think they've lost three quarters of a million people in the last five years in California. They've just moved out because they can't take it anymore. Well, I'm not surprised. But think about the, think about the implications of something like this and what they would mean for restaurants in the future. You just can't do it, but they don't care. The do-gooders in California and in Washington, they don't care. I just simply don't think that they do. It would be such a nightmare for restaurants on so many levels. Uh, Sure, uh, for the heat and the inexpensiveness of it, but just for the quickness of you getting your meal. In other words, turnover would take longer. It would take longer to get people in and out because it takes you longer to cook. I mean, the whole thing is a nightmare. One of the points I I think I was going to make is we we hear everything about the establishment, and I'm not going to defend particular individual votes, but one thing that sort of does annoy me is when everybody rips on um, lobbyists, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you don't, I'll use my our industry as an example. We have lobbyists for the broadcasting industry because if we didn't, they'd be doing some things in Washington that would set us back oh, decades sure. probably. And, they, they've, and these things happen. Real estate agents do. 
Right. You have lobbyists. You have to. Yes. The restaurant industry has lobbyists. If the restaurant industry, for those people who are um, do-gooder liberals here in the Midwest, and you think you can, and you're a restaurant owner, you think you can do away with that, um, that's fine. But you don't. Let's face it. You can be on your high horse with all this climate change stuff, and then someone's going to come to you and say, but that means you can't have your gas oven and stove. And you're going to say, Hell to the no, we're not going to do that. But that's why you have lobbying groups, because we all can't individually go up there to Capitol Hill and say, hey, I want my gas stove. But that's an important issue. And you would hope that with Republican control, even though it's a, you know, very small margin, that it would keep some of the nonsense from getting to a vote. Yeah, we got to hope so. We got to hope and pray on that third hour coming up. Get more at 971talk.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.